When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. of Revolution Recap coming to you today after the New England Revolution defeat Philadelphia Union in a scrappy one-nail showing at Subaru Park. My name is Chris Velukas. Joining me today, as usual, is Sean Donahue. Sean, how are you doing? Good, man. What, what an exciting game. We haven't had great yeah. rivalries for the Revolution in a while, and I think we finally have one between the Revs and, and Philadelphia. What you know, there's so much craziness at the end of the game off the ball. Um, Henry Kessler making a name for himself. It, it was uh, quite the entertaining match for a game in which the Revolution and Philadelphia were both missing a large chunk of their roster. And of course, Carlay's heel making his return to the Revolution. So a, a lot of good things to talk about. And, you know, what a turnaround for the Revolution after a disappointing result a week ago to come in here with a you know short-sighted roster on the road and get a result. Oh, absolutely. Got to be feeling good after after tonight's win. Uh, Revolution started the match with zero DPs uh, on the on the team. Nobody until Carles Hill. Uh, so no no DPs until Carles Hill took the pitch. But uh, it, you got to be pretty excited to see that, especially as you mentioned the bounce back from uh, from last week. To see this team turn around. Uh, I'm pretty happy. I'm feeling good. Uh, I'm ready to just jump into this and start going. So Sean, what do you got for a takeaway today? Yeah, you know, for all the positives, my takeaway is a negative one, and we will get to a lot of the positives later, but this was one that wasn't covered in any of our questions, so I want, I want to touch on it. Uh, Captoom, I think it's finally time to call him a bust. Uh, you know, he's had plenty of chances now for the Revolution. He's had times where he's been injured, but I think he's had enough opportunities now to show something for the Revs, and he's shown nothing. And this game in particular was kind of shockingly bad. Just playing in the central midfield, you know, that's an area where, you know, albeit the Revs were bypassing the midfield a bit in this game, but that's still an area in which you see, you know, plenty of the ball. He completed a total of seven passes in 65 minutes. That's just terrible. Um, seven for 14 in passing. And really, he wasn't much of a factor in this game at all, other than his his turnovers. He just wasn't involved enough. And, you know, this is a guy that there was a lot of hype about because he went through, you know, Barcelona's system. Um, but he hasn't lived up to the billing at all for the revolution. And, you know, for a guy that's making $557,000, I'm, I'm ready to start calling him a bust. Um, it's It was just a very disappointing performance from him. And it's at the point where I don't know what he offers that, you know, Scott Caldwell doesn't offer. Um, I don't I don't know why he's still earning minutes over him other than he's got, you know, a bigger salary and you have to justify it somehow. Um, it's it's disappointing because he was, you know, supposed to be a big signing for Bruce this season. And we'll talk about some other Bruce's signings later uh, that also didn't have a good game. Um, but it, it just capped him in particular. I think I think I finally seen enough. You know, I've given him the benefit of the doubt and hope that, you know, he turned the corner and find a way to fit in. But this was just, you know, for a guy of the the pedigree that he has. 
it's just not working. And I, I think that he needs to, you know, Bruce needs to go to his other options. Maybe Caicedo is going to be ready to go soon. But, you know, even if he's not, I think the Revs get more from Scott Caldwell than they do from Captoom right now. So uh, I, I don't know if I'm missing anything. I don't know if you saw something from him this game that I didn't. Um, but it's, it's, you know, 27 touches in 65 minutes, seven completed passes. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I'm missing. What, what am I missing, Chris? I, I, you're not missing much. It's it. That's exactly the the performances that he's been putting out. Uh, it it hasn't been quite enough. And I'm ready to jump on board with you and say, yeah, I think that the Captoom signing has been a bust. I always try to play, you know, glass half full and try to give players the benefit of the doubt and say, maybe they're dealing with something. Maybe something else is going on. Something behind the scenes that we don't know about maybe affecting their on-field performance, uh, maybe need to give them a little bit more time. Let's get them some more minutes. Maybe they're not gelling enough. I have excuses uh, from here to Philadelphia, probably, <laughs> that can cover you know any myriad of, of player shortcomings. But I'm starting to run out of them. And Captoom is not making a solid case for why he should be on this Revolution roster going forward. Again, you know, the salary part is something that you mentioned and the fact that maybe that's why he's getting out there for justification. I don't even care at this point. Just burn the money, kind of let him sit, you know, maybe break in case of emergency. We're out of players. Everyone's injured. You know, fingers crossed. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, but you have another player on your roster. Maybe give him some minutes down at Revs too. I, I don't know what what else to do with him right now because, like you said, it's just not working um and i'm running out of ways to to try to spin spin this positively so yeah it's it's a bust uh and it's time to call it yeah and you know just trying to find something positive there you you, it's really difficult to do because you know zero goals zero assists that's you don't expect many goals from him but you would have expected some assists point one key passes per game <laughs> you know it's there's there's you know he's generating nothing uh if you look at who scores ratings for revolution players he's 20th uh on the list for the revs with a 6.32 which is just terrible um considering how good the revs have been i you know the revs are doing so good um i think at this point you got to chalk up that salary as a loss for the revs yep. and move on um, I think it's unfortunate that Masial seems to have kind of played himself out of playing more um, because I do think Masial at times has been a lot more effective than Captoom. I think we've seen games where Masial has looked good uh, more so than we've seen games where Captoom has looked good. It's just been a consistency thing with him. Um, but if I was going to you know, run a guy out there to get him minutes, I'd rather go with a 21-year-old Masial because I think he'll just get better. Um, where I think Captoom at 25 is more of a finished product. Um, and, you know, again, we gave... Fuchs a, a long time to come good and he finally came good. But I think you're even then seeing a bit more signs from him than we've seen from Captoom because there really haven't been many flashes even from Captoom. There's been, you know, maybe a couple here and there, but not much. And that's exactly it because with Buxa, you did see the potential. You saw he was excellent in this aspect of his game, but then he was poor on this other part. But then in a different game, maybe he'd be poor in what he was good at in a previous match and very good somewhere else where he's previously been poor. And it was just a matter of putting all the pieces together. With Captoom, he seems to just be consistently poor at everything. The only time I've ever, you know, maybe been impressed with him is occasionally he has like a a good dribble around a player or two. Um, But he tends to maybe drag it out too long and not make the pass and and lose possession. 
you you messaged me talking about Captoom during the game and saying what is it and you said it tonight too what is it that Scott Caldwell doesn't offer that Captoom does and the only thing I could think of is the fact that it makes Scott Caldwell doesn't lose possession and maybe that's what the Revolution are trying to do I don't know I don't know why you'd want to do that it doesn't make any sense so I, I'm not sure why he's out there we could I don't know we we can keep ranting about Captoom I know we got a lot of other players to get to um, there's another liability player as well. I don't yes, know if you wanted is. to touch on that real quick, Sean. Well, I, I do. I just want to make one more comment, and that's, you know, there was an opportunity these past several games with, you know, the Revs missing a lot of guys for Captoom to, to step up and make an impact. The Revs needed somebody to step up and make an impact, and somebody with his pedigree, you know, you could say at other points of the game, well, there's Carly's heels out there, Buchanan's out there, there's all these guys that can overshadow him, but, you know, he had an opportunity where he was going into these games, or if you look at his resume, he probably had the best resume of anybody on the field tonight, uh, for the Revs anyways, and he's still just you know he didn't he didn't take the opportunity when the revs had a weakened lineup to to have more of an impact in the game and in fact he was quite invisible so it's just very disappointing but we should we should talk about Tristan too the other one of the one of the other you know Bruce made three big signings in the offseason Captoom who we just talked about Mafla who you know, has been injured most of the season. He's looked, you know, decent the past couple of games when he's played. So we'll give him a pass for now. He's he's had a couple of good performances. Um, and Tristison, who now in two of the last three games has gotten himself ejected, or two of the last three games he's played in has got himself ejected and has become a liability for the Revolution. I don't have the full quote here, but Sam Mitten asked him about it after the game. I don't know if he was concerned with his decision making, given what's happened, and and he Bruce said he was. He you know he flat out said yes. Um, and then he talked about that, you know, they were they were discussing taking him out of the game when he got the first yellow, but they had faith in him this time to avoid a second yellow because both times it was, you know, dumb second yellows that got him thrown out. And and here he got a dumb second yellow that was, you know, at midfield and it was a blatant, obvious foul. Um, there was no question about it. It was a professional foul at midfield when he was already on a yellow card. But again, it was at midfield. It wasn't really dangerous play. It wasn't a dangerous spot of the field. Um, really terrible decision making, and it's and it's unfortunate because Chris, I think I think you were going to have a positive takeaway about him mm-hmm. uh, after this game until that happened. Um, and you know he he did have a great set piece that set up um, Polster's goal that ended up being the game winner. But you, you can't have a a guy. Uh, you know, two out of three games getting a red card, um, especially, you know, he's he's not supposed to be the enforcer on this team. Yeah, that's that's Poster's role. That's not Tristan's role. Uh, it's it's really disappointing. But, you know, again, there's a lot of good things to take away from this game. So I don't want to spend too much time focusing on the negatives. But mm-hmm. uh, that was you know particularly disappointing to, to see him get his second red card in his last three games played and, you know, leave the revolution in a really, really difficult spot, which they you know rallied to hold on to. But yikes. <laughs> yeah. You know, we did get a lot of feedback from the listeners uh, regarding Arner Tristan. So we're going to talk a lot more about Arner uh, later on in the podcast. Um, but I will add real quick before we move on completely was this was going to be my takeaway was Arner Tristison is actually having a very good game. And I think that we have found uh, who the revolution should use as the, as the set piece taker. Cause that has been a, a point of, of conversation for the last, however many weeks, Carly's heel has not been around who's taken the set pieces. And I thought that Tristison has looked the best at doing it, the most comfortable, but I still wasn't happy with it tonight. I was very happy with every single cross that he was putting in. I thought that he played a very solid game up until the red card. And I was messaging you saying, Arner Tristison is the one I want to talk about tonight. 
not not even a minute later on my broadcast, he gets a red card, and I was like, oh, well, we got to scratch that because this is <laughs> this is an absolute problem. So anyway, my my takeaway for tonight, I had to go to my backup, which really shouldn't have been the backup. This should have been at the forefront all along. Brad Knighton, uh, I thought he had a fantastic performance. Uh, he stepped up. Obviously, Matt Turner's away with the U.S. men's national team. Uh, and we've seen Brad Knighton fill in for Turner before when he's been away with the U.S. Uh, and it's been up, kind of up and down performances. He has won, I think, five games in a row now that he has started. I know his very first start uh, that was uh, a I don't I forget who we played, but that was that was a disaster of a start. But it seems like his season has really started to settle down a bit. He looks a lot more comfortable, and he was tested quite a bit in tonight's uh, match. He made a total of eight saves. He had a 1.28 expected goals against, yet gave up zero. Fantastic numbers for him. If you want to criticize his night, you can talk about his passing. He was 11 of 18, which is 61. percent But uh, you know, maybe yeah, the dangerous rebounds as well. I know you something you wanted to mention as well, Sean. And I have to agree. He maybe maybe he needs to put some stick him on those gloves to hold on to the ball a little bit better. Uh, let, let not let up those juicy rebounds. But thankfully, you know the defense was there to 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 bail him out. But overall, I thought Brad Knighton did a fantastic job, and I just wanted to make sure that that was acknowledged and that he gets the credit he deserves for for doing a, such a good job um, filling in for a player like Matt Turner. Yeah, and I know we had some people ask us about who man of the match was. If you go by FootMob, he was the man of the match with an 8.64 rating. If you go by who scored, he was the man of the match with an 8.58 rating. Um, so he did contribute a lot to the revolution. We talk, we talk about um, you know expected goals versus goals against, like like you mentioned, Chris, and how good Matt Turner is in that category. Well, this would have been a good night for Matt Turner, you know, with 1.28 mm-hmm. expected goals and, and zero conceded. Um, I, you know, I, I will say there are still moments of the game where you feel he's a little shaky. You know, one of which is you know, sometimes he did he did give up a few rebounds in this one that you know he was lucky his defender was able to clear away. Um, but he made he was a you know shot stopping. He had a very good game. Um, there was also, I think, a moment where there was a, a long cross into the box that he kind of mishandled and was a bit shaky on. But again, the revolution managed to recover from that. You know, th- like I said, there there are still moments with Brad Knight and where you feel you definitely feel less confident than you would with Matt Turner, um, which is understandable because Matt Turner is the best goalkeeper in the league. Uh, <laughs> but you know, Brad Knight has been more than solid enough, and Matt Turner's absence, other than that terrible <laughs> that terrible first game, <laughs> that I still can't get over that first touch. But I yeah, I agree. Brad Dyden's been uh, it's been fantastic to have him be able to step up, but nobody can give you that that sort of confidence that Matt Turner does. Um, but anyways, takeaways aside, let's move on. Uh, I want to talk about the lineup real quick. Uh, formationally, I'm not really sure. I my thought was that they were rolling out with like a four two three one. You're thinking a four four two diamond. Um, what did you think of the formation? What did you think of how the how the game played and uh, it, what Bruce was deploying what his tactics were I you know too bad we don't have a tactical genius on the podcast to talk about it um if you have any any uh insight there no I mean when I saw this lineup in this formation and you know the first thing that came to mind is I gotta look up when is the last time the revolution have played a game without Bo Buchanan Buxa or Carly Seal on the field and the answer is that never happened since they've been on the team uh, last time it happened none of them were on the team was 2018 Brad Friedel was coach uh the dark ages um mm-hmm. so I, I saw that and I, you know 
I thought it was going to be really difficult for the revolution to generate chances in this one. And I think it was pretty difficult for the revolution to generate chances outside of set pieces. Um, for the most part, they, you know, with that said, they did have a couple, I think they might've generated some of their best chances when they were down a man actually, uh, you know, but, um, regardless of that, uh, you know, um, you know, four four two diamond. I think the revolution have been effective in it this this year. Um, but part of the reason it's worked so well is because Buxa and Bo have looked so good together up top and have kind of played off each other and generated chances. And you know, Bunbury and Kizza, I thought played okay up top, but. It's you know when you talk about going from Turner to Knight, and it's obviously a, you know if you're going from Books and Bo to, to Bunbury and Kizza, there's obviously a big drop off there um, as well. So, you know, it, it was a sloppy game for the most part, in which the Revolution, you know, a lot of times didn't play through the midfield, um, and I think part of the reason the Diamond didn't look so good, or you know sometimes it looked more like a four-two-three-one, was because you know Captoom was contributing nothing. Um, Tristison was okay. I thought he had, a, you know, like you said, I thought he had a decent game until the red card. You know, Poster was doing his job, but Captoom uh, was kind of a black hole. Um, so there was a lot of pressure on you know McNamara and Tristison to, to provide the offensive spark in that midfield. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Bruce played the formation given the personnel that he had that he had to play. Uh, I guess the other option would have been to you know put Bunbury on the wing, play with one striker, and have Boateng out there. And and maybe if you knew how Captoon was going to play, that would have made sense. Mm. Um, but I don't know. It worked. They they didn't they limited Philadelphia as far as you know chances go, and then they you know managed to score in a set piece. So it couldn't it couldn't have played out much better given the personnel because that was I think the weakest Revolution lineup we've seen all season. Yeah, I'll agree with that. The uh, the lineup was very weak as far as what we saw on paper. Um, additionally, with the lineup, you know, it, it we saw the return of Matt Poster in a starting position, Brandon By also returning to the starting eleven, uh, and then on the bench, Carlos Heel. Of course, he came off the bench in the six. Uh, I should have looked this up. I forget what it is. Sixty seventh minute, I think it was something like that. Sixty fifth, sixty sixth, something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was sixty sixth minute. Yeah, and. Um, and uh, Luis Caicedo, wow, I'm stumbling all over my, my words tonight. Luis Caicedo also returning to the game day roster. It was fantastic to see him on the bench. I have been very concerned that we would never see him again in a Revolution uniform. Still might be the case. He did not make uh, make it out on the pitch today. But uh, it, it's it's at least encouraging and hopeful to see that he's with the team and he's on the roster and he's, uh, you know, Bruce is thinking he's fit enough to uh, to get minutes if if needed, uh, I would have liked to have seen him out there. I know I was, I was calling for him in the in the first half to maybe replace Captoom. Uh, obviously, didn't happen, but uh, we can just look forward and hopefully we get to see Caicedo back out there. I, I would um, take a sixty percent Caicedo over Captoom right now. <laughs> yeah, and I guess sixty percent, I guess, is what we're getting out of Carles Heel, which is a hundred percent better than anybody else on um, any roster, I think, in MLS. So, I'll, I'll take a sixty percent Carles Heel as well. Um, also worth noting is that uh, Kiza, Edward Kiza got his first start, uh, first career start for the first team. Uh, overall, I thought that he had a okay performance, nothing to write home about, nothing spectacular. Uh, he did make some good runs. I thought that he had pretty decent play on the ball, uh, but he was starting in place of Gustavo Bo, of course, who uh, it was reported before the match uh, by uh, Jeff Lemieux that that Bo had picked up some sort of knock, but Bruce has confirmed in some way, I don't know what you want to take, how much weight you want to put in Bruce's confirmation of injury talk, but says uh, that he'll be good to go for next week. 
which is good news. And then uh, the last note I have on the lineup before we can run back through it again is John Bell. What's going on with him? This is a, a pretty weakened bench that we're looking at. A lot of players missing. Uh, still no John Bell. Uh, hasn't appeared on Revs or Revs 2 game day squad for the past week. Um, so a lot to really wonder about with that. Um, Sean, I just ran through a lot of different things. I'm going to give you the chance to to catch up, but uh, do you have any any comments on on all the different players that uh, we saw come back and, and disappear? No, I mean, it, it was great to see the first choice back line back with Brandon by out there. I think <laughs> the biggest the biggest note from that was how good Dewan Jones played uh, mm. going back to left back. And I don't want to see him play right back for uh, for a long time, uh, at least not until he gets a preseason under his belt doing it or something, because um, he was a different player tonight than he's been at right back. Um, looked fantastic. Uh, Brandon by thought had a pretty good game, um, but Jones was the standout to me in this one. Um, and, and because by was back, he was allowed to move back to left back uh, poster, obviously huge to get that goal. And he's, it means a lot to the Rebs. I thought Edward Kizza had a decent game um, where he was lacking is where he needs to be the best. And that's in the box. I think he had one or two chances where he got the ball in the box and kind of tripped over himself trying to, trying to dribble through guys. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily his game. Um, but I think that's, you know, that he, that's an area where he needs to get better. And, you know, he's, he gets limited opportunities when he gets them. I think he needs to take them. Um, so it's a, a tough spot to be in replacing you know, Gustavo Bo and Adam Buxa. Uh, but I, I thought his game was kind of a, a mixed bag. He didn't, he didn't look out of, you know, out of sorts playing at this level, but, um, when he got into the box, I don't think he looked as, as dangerous as you'd like him to be. Um, and, but of course he's a rookie. So you, you know, you hope he'll improve on that. Um, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. John Bell. I don't understand what's going on there. Um, he was off the injury report. He had, I think he played 60 minutes for revs two a, a couple weeks ago. Um, and then we haven't seen him since. So I don't, I don't know what's going on there. The, again, the transparency from the revs around, you know, where players are is, um, as <laughs> bizarre, and I think uh, it was Sam Mitten found on Instagram that he was, you know, at, at a UMBC game this weekend. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what's going on there. Maybe there's a personal matter or something that, you know, they haven't told us about. Um, so I don't you know, not going to speculate. But it's that to me is just, you know, I thought John Bell would be back in the revolution. I don't think he even had a full bench in this game and certainly could have used uh, center back depth. if Somebody got hurt. So that's that's a weird one to me. It's something to, to monitor going forward and, you know, Great that Bruce said Gustavo Bo will be back next week, but he also said uh, Carlos Hill was fine when, when that he was out for three and a half weeks. So uh, fingers crossed that he's actually telling the truth on this one. Absolutely. And then uh, quickly going back on Edward Kizatsu, just wanted to make note. Uh, he did play 63 minutes tonight. He was withdrawn uh, after the Tristan red card uh, for Scott Caldwell to come on. And uh, in that 63 minutes, he managed a 0.09 expected goals. Um, which is dreadful for uh, an attacker. But aside from the thing that he's supposed to do, lacking, I thought it was it was an okay game. You know, Footmob gives him a 6.6 rating. Um, I think that's fair. Um, but moving on, you mentioned it, the back line. And it feels like what, what I would call them, I think what you would call the first choice back four are finally back together again. Dewan Jones, Henry Kessler, Andrew Farrell, Brandon Bayh. Uh, of course, we're only missing... Uh, Matt Turner, but they they do have uh, Matt Polster, the other Matt, uh, in front of them. So it's nice to see. I guess you might even call it the back five if you'd like. Uh, they're back together again. Their first game back in, I don't remember how many weeks, but three weeks or so, something like that. Uh, what do you think about it? How was their performance? Does it, does it bring you back any more confidence to see the way that they played tonight? 
given the fact that, you know, even Philly started uh, five players that were under the age of 21, which is uh, a very interesting tactic, but I guess something you have to do during World Cup qualifying. Well, that, I mean, that's the thing we haven't really talked about much. And, you know, we give the Revs a lot of credit for winning this game in a tough situation where they're missing key guys and down a man. Uh, but Philadelphia had seven players. The Revs had three players called up to international games. Philadelphia had seven players. <laughs> so it was a very, very weakened Philadelphia side. And it's been two games in a row against Philly where the Revs have seen a, a very weakened Philadelphia side. Um, so, you know, it, credit to them for being competitive with a, mm. a lineup that was full of teenagers. Um, but, you know, with all that being said, I think it does give you confidence to see the Revolution backline back out there again, getting a shutout, even while, you know, holding on down a man for 31 minutes. Like I said, Dewan Jones had a phenomenal game. Uh, I thought the center backs played pretty well together. I thought Brandon Bay had a, had a decent game. It was first game back from injury, so they expect a little bit of rustiness. And I think there was a, a little bit. Uh, but overall, I thought he played well. Um, but uh, like I said, the, the standout guy to me was just how much better Dewan Jones played uh, back that he was at left back in, the, I mean, in this one. Although uh, his passing, I think, was at 92% at halftime and dropped to 77%. So I guess it probably must have dropped significantly in the second half, um, which I guess is understandable when you're down a man um, but you know, other than that, I thought it was, you know, a, a confidence building performance for the back line and that they didn't do much wrong, uh, overall. So it was, it was, it was good to see that they could hold on down a man and limit Philadelphia to just, you know, 1.28 expected goals while playing shorthanded. Yeah. And I was, I was really happy to see them, uh, just playing together in a, in a mental way as well. You know, they're covering for each other. They have each other's back. They know where, where, where they are at all times on the pitch. And if you're watching, the dynamics of how they're shifting their formation as, uh, you know, maybe Kessler moves up the pitch a little bit to follow. Um, I can't think of the, I can't say his name, Shabilko, whatever it is. Um, I, I saw that several times during the match where Kessler was maybe man on man marking Shabilko, even if it wasn't up at the back line, just making sure that their target guy uh, is covered, which I think is a great tactic to to deploy by Bruce, if that was the tactic. Um, but just seeing how, how they responded to that. So Kessler's moving up. I saw Polster drop back when that would happen, or Andrew Farrell would go wide. Henry Kessler would also uh, slide over and, and fill in for Andrew Farrell, doing exactly what you need your center backs to do. Your fullbacks obviously performed very well. Um, it was it was just such a, a a different revolution team than what we've seen in the last few weeks, and I think uh, maybe 100% of that is due to the fact that the the back line is back together. Uh, maybe not 100%. You know, the fact that there was zero DPS on the fields probably helped. Uh, make this team feel different, not necessarily in a better way, but uh, I, I was just really elated to see that that performance from them. And of course, you got King Henry over there, um, really stirring the pot at the end of the end of the match was so much fun. Um, <laughs> really yeah. quickly though, I got, the one thing I got to say is I I don't want to see Dewan Jones at right back again for a long time. And I, I you know I think Mafla is probably better than De La Garza. But I think the Revolution are better off having Jones at left back and De La Garza at right back than they are having Jones at right back and Moffat at left back. So <laughs> De La Garza's got to step up going forward if Brandon buys out because I don't I don't want to see Jones have to leave his left back spot. He's too good of a left back and too questionable of a right back or too inexperienced of a right back at this point um, for the Revolution to make that switch ever, ever again this season at least. Well, to be frank, something that I thought about after we recorded the last pod was... Andrew Farrell, he has a lot of experience playing right back. If the Revolution had some sort of depth at center back, uh, that would be a move that they might have been able to make is 
you know, if they had a healthy John Bell, let's bring in John Bell, play him at center back, and move Andrew Farrell out wide. Uh, I thought Andrew Farrell's been, you know, very good overall this season at, at center back, and I don't necessarily want to take him out of that position. Um, but he has experience playing right back, so I would be totally fine seeing Andrew Farrell slide out if there was another center back to put in his place, obviously. That wasn't the case tonight, but uh, yeah. Um, and they we, and they didn't need it tonight, anyways. But just for the future, it's I, I don't know. I do I yeah. I, Jones has just been so good this year at left back. Why why move him? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Keep him keep him at left back where where he's comfortable. We did get plenty of questions from listeners. Before we jump into those, I wanted to take a minute to talk about the sponsor of this podcast, Galasso Kits. Galasso Kits is the go-to place to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home. The passion for the beautiful game doesn't have borders, and neither does the selection. And if you head to GalassoKits.com today, you can get 15% off your order using the code REVSRECAP. Again, that's REVSRECAP at checkout for 15% off your order at GalassoKits.com. When I want to buy a new jersey, I get very indecisive. So this past week, I ordered myself a mystery kit. And I got to say, it was so much fun. Uh, I ended up receiving the 2012, I think it was 2012, maybe 2011, Malaysia home kit. Something I would have never bought on my own. Yet having it in my hands and in front of me, I absolutely love it. I couldn't be happier with with the jersey that I ended up getting. I did post it up on my socials. If you want to go check it out, please do. Uh, But yeah, be like me. Go get yourself your favorite jersey or mystery kit from GalassoKits.com today and use promo code REVSRECAP to save 15% on your order. Now let's get to your questions. Macho TM over on Discord. He wants to know, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, who's your man of the match, Matt Polster or Dewan Jones? Those are the options that are given. So we'll say, I think we were both maybe are agreeing that Brad Knight might have been the man of the match. I know that's where I was leaning. Um, but let's bring it down to just this question. If you had to choose between Matt Polster and Dewan Jones, uh, Sean, who's your man of the match? Uh, you could give it to either. I think, um, you know, Matt Polster scoring the goal, obviously that stands out. But Dewan Jones had more touches than anybody else on the Revs. 86 touches. Uh, I thought he was great defensively. I thought he contributed a lot offensively. Um, he, you know, he created that what well, was a big part of that play um, where Scott Caldwell should have scored uh, with a you know great run, got the ball from Carly's heel and, and set him up. He you know could have had an assist on that play, had it worked out in a secondary assist because Bonberry was involved as well. Um, you know, I, I think Poster is the easy choice because he scored, but I think I'm going to go with Dewan Jones just because he really stood out to me as having you know one of the, one of his better games. Um, in a difficult environment. And, you know, again, fantastic goal for Matt Polster. I could go either way, but I'm, I'm going to go give it to Dewan Jones um, and say that he he deserved to have an assist as, as well as you know, everything else he did. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And a lot of that's for that same exact reason you just said. Uh, it's uh, so many touches that he had. I think Polster only had 43 touches tonight, uh, which still a good amount of touches, but nothing close to what Dewan Jones is doing in every single match. Dewan Jones is getting himself involved. Back to left back, he's, you know, playing spectacularly uh and if it wasn't for brad knighton's 8.6 foot mob rating i think dewan jones would have been the foot mob man of the match so i'm with you on that uh dewan jones and and just for his stats jones led the team with three tackles and led the teams with two interceptions and for as good as poster was he had he had zero interceptions which is a little bit unusual for someone playing the role he plays and unusual for him yeah absolutely um staying in the midfield though let's Jump into uh, some questions that we got around uh, certain Arner Tristison. Um, so I'm going to rattle a bunch, bunch of comments off. Uh, starting with TSB11 over on Discord says that this is, this is the second time Arnie has gotten sent off this season. For how little he offers on the field, is this his last strike? James Downing over on Twitter says, "Was it good business that we got Tristison for so little? 
maybe Malmo weren't so sad to see him go. Patrick Martin over on Twitter. Uh, great win gutting it out. Arnor let the team down. Did he straight up forget he was on a yellow? Ronnie Smalls over on Twitter. Where's the leash with Arnor? Uh, so there's four four comments right there in a row that we got. Uh, Sean, I'm going to let you take it from here and uh, let, let's hear what you have to say about Tristan and, and, and his uh, lack of uh, awareness, I'll call it. Uh, I mean, f- first of all, his uh, his first yellow card, I think, was four minutes before his second yellow card. So if you forgot about it um, in, in that time frame, I think he's taken the uh, the Ted Lasso quote of be a goldfish uh, uh, the wrong way in that one. So I don't think he forgot about it. Um, it was very telling what Bruce Arena said after the game about, you know, questioning his decision making and that they you know thought about subbing him out. Um, I think he's in the doghouse now. I absolutely think he's in the doghouse now. I think he's going to have to earn his way back into the field. I don't see him. I think, his, you know, his next minutes are going to be as a sub, if I were to guess. Mm-hmm. Um, he's made himself a liability. There's no question about it. When you have that happen two game, two out of three games, that's just terrible. You know, it happens once. All right. You know, mistake. You don't let it happen again and not twice in the season, let alone twice in three games. So that's it's it's shocking. Um, you know, the I, like I said, I think he's in the doghouse. I think that, the you know, also the revolution are lucky that they have people coming back um, and they have a lot of other options. So, you know, he had these games to like, like I said, with Captoom, you know, these are opportunities for Tristison to really step up when other guys are out and, and show what he was capable of. And he had his moments, uh, but they were very much overshadowed by two red cards. So. I don't think we'll see Tristison start for a while. I think he'll get a chance to maybe come off the bench and have an impact that way, and he's going to have to earn his minutes going forward. Again, unless the Revolution are missing as many guys as they're missing right now, but I, I, that shouldn't be the case for the, the foreseeable future. Yeah, you know, and it's I think it's really a shame because I thought he did have a very, you know, very good match up until, you know, the, the cars started coming out. And if you look at this Revolution team, there's been three red cards all season long. The first one was against Chicago in the first game of the season. Joke. It was, yeah, Dewan Jones, which I don't even consider that a red card. Of course, it went to review and it was still upheld. I, I don't, I don't want to rant about that one today. It was just a joke, of, like you said, of a red card. But the other two red cards that the, the Revolution had are both yellow card accumulations in a match by Arnold Tristison, and it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, if you're on a yellow card, why are you? I don't know. Why are you playing aggressive in the first place? You're not an aggressive player. Second of all, you're on a yellow card. It's you, you got to play smarter than that. It's it wasn't even a good tactical foul. If that was if he wasn't on a yellow card and he decided to make that foul at that time, it doesn't make any sense. There was still plenty of help all around. You didn't need to make that foul. Not not even close. I, I'm just really irritated that he threw away such a, what it, I think was a pretty solid performance. He just threw it away and really damaged his uh his chances going forward uh for the for the remainder of the season uh you can't do that and then i think you're going to be getting you know a lot of minutes going forward i think his minutes are going to be managed and like you said i think it's going to be coming off the bench um yeah it's just uh, what were you thinking tristison um, it's bizarre because other than those two games, he's had you know two other total yellow cards the entire season. So like, what was what's going on there? He's not like you said. He's, it's not it. That's not his game, right? Yeah, it, it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And when he got sent off what, three or four weeks ago, that was also it was kind of shocking. Like I we didn't expect Tristison of all players to get sent off because he has been a relatively clean player. Uh, obviously. It, Something has changed in the last few weeks because um, it, two reds on double yellows 
in three matches is, uh, I don't know, it, something's just missing. Something's well, going and if, you, if you want context, there's only one other player in the entire league that has two red cards this year. So it's, it's crazy uh, that a guy that plays the way he plays um, has put himself in that situation twice now. Right. And a, a lot of the why the revolution have been doing so well so far this season, especially when you compare it to previous seasons, is the fact that they're not getting red cards. They're playing with 11 men on the field most of the time. And if you look at previous years, I've said this before on the pod as well, the revolution had made it a habit of, of getting bad red cards. You would think back to uh, Christian Namath uh, days where uh, those are, again, ugly, ugly days. I think he got a red card in his first 11 minutes in a revolution uniform. Um, and that's kind of what us as revolution fans and uh, have been used to, to seeing and Bruce Arena has really changed that mentality. And if Arnold Tristison wants to remain uh, as an impact player for the team, he needs he needs to clean up his, his game. But it is great to learn that the Revolution have the mentality to hold out um, in a situation where they're playing down. Man, it's good to see that, but you don't want to see them in that situation. Um, so yeah, we will you know we'll yeah. praise the Revs all day for for holding on, but um, and and showing you know there's a lot of times in the past where they just fold like a like a deck of cards in a situation and like house of cards in a situation like like this when they got a red card. So it's great that they're not doing that under Bruce Arena. They're holding on and they've got you know they've won the two games where Tristison has gotten a red card, but you know, at some point it's going to come back to bite you. So it, it's something that um, is extremely troubling. And you know maybe the Revolution go on and win this game by two goals or something and and you know do it a lot more comfortably and. Um, you know, get a guy like Emmanuel Boateng some minutes that, that he that he very much deserved, and Kizza gets to stay out there longer. It's it's really it's unfair to the rest of the team to put them in that position. Yeah, and uh, talking about Boateng though, Viva La Revolution over on Twitter wants to know how does Boateng fit into the team? Does he deserve more minutes, even with Heel returning? Uh, and of course, with Tristan now uh, seeming to accumulate red cards. Uh, Sean, what are your thoughts? Are we going to be seeing Boateng maybe possibly get on the on the pitch more? Yeah, I mean, I think when everyone's healthy, that he's a sub. I mean, I think we've established that he's not he's not going to be part of the Revolution's best eleven. I, but I think he's a very very dangerous sub off the bench. And I think when everybody's healthy, the Revolution are probably playing a formation that has wingers, um, which we you know have seen a, a lot less of recently, especially now with Tejan Buchanan gone. So I think when 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 the Revolution are playing as wingers and you know they are tied or down a goal. Um, in the second half, I think you know you bring on Boateng as your pacey winger to to add a lot, and I think that's the role he's going to play in a game like this when the Revolution were down a man and you know trying to play compact. Um, I don't think there was any way he was getting out in this game. Um, I just, you know it's, it's the style of play and the type of player he is didn't really fit um, for a team that was trying to grind out a one one nothing win down a man. So um, you know, unfortunate for him because he's he's earned more minutes, but I I do think that given the roster the Revolution have that his role is going to be, like we said before, as kind of a super sub when the Revolution are tied and need a goal or, you know, down down one and need a goal um, and are playing a formation that has wingers because he doesn't he doesn't really have a role in a formation that's, you know, in a diamond. He doesn't really fit in a diamond. Yeah, I'm looking at the team, too, and I, I'm I'm wondering where he fits. Uh, I'm thinking, assuming all players are back from World Cup qualifying, uh, all the players that are currently healthy, uh, considering Gustavo Bo healthy, uh, so all the players are out there. You're, the one question mark that we're looking at really is left wing, right? So we're talking Tristison, we're talking Teal Bunbury, and we're talking Boateng are your options. I think, you know, we've or, already established... Or Gustavo Bo. 
if if the revolution you know trying to find a way to force everybody on the field while still maintaining you know enough defensive presence it, it could be Gustavo Bo kind of playing that left wingish role that we've seen him play in years past okay I, I don't think that would happen as much um but maybe maybe uh you're on record now for saying it will so please remind me of that when uh, when it happens but uh, in my opinion, I think it's going to be Teal Bunbury out there. Either way, I don't think it's going to be Boateng. Uh, I, I would like to see him maybe get some more minutes off the bench. I think maybe his stock is a little bit higher than Tristan's right now. Uh, but again, they're two different players, and it depends on what you're looking for out of the game, what you need out of the game. If you need uh, a, a taller player to come in and uh, uh, for set pieces or something, you're looking at a player more like Tristan who is... Uh, I think he's five foot eleven, five foot twelve. MLS <laughs> soccer lists him as five foot twelve, yeah. which I think is hilarious. Oh, and Matt Polster was five foot twelve as well before, so that was one of my favorite things. I think, uh, I think they might have they, fixed Matt Polster, but they have not fixed Tristan because I just checked. <laughs> yeah, no, they they did change uh, Matt Polster to six foot, um, and Tristan is five foot twelve, which I, I just love that they keep doing that. Um, keep it up, MLS. But yeah, if you're looking for a taller guy, you know you're bringing it. You might be bringing in Tristan late in the game. You're probably not concerned about him getting two yellows. I don't think you're going to see Tristan get a straight red. I don't think that you have to worry about that. Uh, but I, I still think overall, if you're looking for a goal, um, Boateng might be a bit higher on the depth chart right now than Tristan is. Um, but otherwise, like it, it is hard to say where where he fits, where he's going to get minutes. But I, I would like to see him out there. He's a really fun player to watch. He's very pacey, and he can deliver one heck of a cross as well. Um, and I think that maybe goes uh, underrated. Um, I, I did mention that that one game that he started, after about 30 minutes or so, he seemed to lose a bit of that uh, zip that he had on his crosses. He started maybe slowing down a bit when you're talking about his pace. Um, so super sub, I think, is definitely where it is Uh I don't know. Do you see him getting any more minutes now with the Tristan uh, red cards? You know, I think when everyone's healthy, I don't, um, you know, I just don't think, I think there's, a, you know, I think he's been very good. I think he's earned more minutes. I just, it's just hard to see where they come from. And, you know, thinking of all the combinations that Bruce Arena and options he has to get his best players on the field. Um, I, I, you know, it's hard for me to see him getting minutes other than in certain situations. You know, like I said, the situation where the revolution are in the second half and they need a goal, um, whether that's because they're tied or they're losing. Um, but other than that, I don't, I don't, I don't see him starting other than maybe, you know, one-off games. And I, you know, when guys are missing or, or, you know, when they need to, when they're busy schedule and need a rotation. Um, but you know, there's, I, I I still am very much curious to see what Bruce Arena does when he has everybody healthy for his starting lineup. I am confident it does not include Boateng, um, but I still not sure what that's going to look like. And yet not to go back to, you know, crazy ideas, but we did see them start the season with Buchanan on the left and Carles Heel as kind of that right winger that floated inside. And that's, you know, I, I wouldn't say for certain we won't see that again, because I do think Buchanan's had more opportunities to kind of play on the left with Canada and elsewhere that may make him more comfortable there than he was at the beginning of the season when he looked terrible. Yeah. You know, frankly, I completely forgot about Buchanan right now when I was thinking about my, my roster, we haven't seen Buchanan in a revolution uniform now in a, a little bit. Right, it's been a few weeks. I think All Star Game suspension. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that's that's what it is. It's uh, and you know seeing him now for Canada and in my head he's now a Bruges player. So 
Uh, well, and, and he and he could be hurt because he was subbed out at halftime for Canada and had an ice pack on his on his uh, ankle. So if you're you know a Revs fan, knock on knock on wood that he he comes back from Canada healthy. Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping so um, because I think that's uh, you know Tejan Buchanan is a player that the Revs are definitely going to need. Um, don't want to speculate as to what that could be, but yeah, he definitely did have. There was a picture of him with an ice pack on his on his ankle. Um, it, you can only think bad things as a as a fan when you see something like that. But uh, I'm just really hoping that it's the best um, the best of things. And maybe you just had a sore ankle, um, and you know, hopefully that's all it was, right? We can hope. <laughs> yeah. So uh, moving on, there was a, a moment later in the game uh, in the closing minutes where Henrik Hessler decided to get a little cheeky, I guess you could say. Uh, the ball went out of play. He decided to kick it far to the stands. And not only that, he found himself next to an extra a backup ball, if you will, um, where one of the, the the ball kids would have been standing holding an extra ball. He took that ball, threw it into the stands. Um, if you haven't seen it by now, uh, where have you been? Go look it up. It's uh, hilarious. Um, Kessler's really, you know, getting into the head of, of the Philly players there. Uh, but we got a lot of lot of feedback on that moment and a lot of talk about Kessler. So uh, like I did for the Arno Tristison uh, comments, I'm just going to rattle off. I think we got five or six tweets here. Uh, so I'm going to start with Charles Maddox over on Twitter says, with that throw, does Kessler automatically become team MVP? Uh, Gustavo Lopez, by the way, if you don't follow Gustavo Lopez over on Twitter, I recommend going to do that. He uh, has great content regarding Revolution and MLS as well. But Gustavo Lopez says, is Kessler a good ball boy? Sam Minton over on Twitter, how much of a badass is Kessler? Uh, Robert Chevalier also on Twitter, would you consider Kessler's throw dirty or strategic? And Frank Cipriano over on Twitter, how much is Kessler's bonus for achieving CONCACAF Nirvana? Which has to be one of my favorite comments right there. <laughs> CONCACAF Nirvana for that. Uh, it definitely was a CONCACAF move. But the one question or comment that I'm going to focus on the most here was Robert Chevalier's. Uh, would you consider it dirty or strategic? Both. <laughs> it's both. I mean, I, th- I thought it. Was, I don't know. I I thought it was you know one of those time wasting plays. It, it got into Philly's skin. The Revs had the lead, and it kind of took the focus away from them. Um, at the same time, it was a bit. I, mean, I don't know if dirty is the word, but it was childish. Um, mm. You know, I, it, and I think it was intentionally that. Um, yeah. you know, I I don't know. I I I thought it was hilarious i don't know if i had reacted with the same level of excitement that some people did but I, I thought it was i thought it was pretty hilarious play um and i think it had the reaction you expected it to have which it you know pissed off philadelphia and their players got angry and was pushing and shoving and you know when you're up one nothing late in the game down a man that's probably a pretty good situation to be in on the other hand if you know if kessler was in uh, was you know was one yellow card away from being suspended for yellow card accumulation, which you know he wasn't. He's not on that list right now. I think now he's probably two away, um, which whatever it is, what it is. Uh, I would have been less excited about it. Um, but you know it was it was a strategic play to waste time and get under Philly's skin, and it worked. But if you you know if you want to call it dirty or you know, maybe childish, I would agree with that too. <laughs> yeah, you can't deny that it was a dirty move. Uh, at the same time, I think it was just a, a brilliant move, and it kind of shows you the 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 mind speed of Henry Kessler, because he was just running to make a play, and then he just thought to himself, "Well, if I kick this ball really far, it's going to waste an extra, you know, ten fifteen seconds, which 
is good. And then he saw the other ball just standing there right next to where the throw-in was going to happen and decided to throw that. Uh, just what goes through a player's mind when when they're going so fast and, and they decide to do things like this. He knew exactly what he was doing. There was 100% intent, 100% of intent behind it. Uh, and it really riled up the players and it changed the whole dynamic of the way that that, that game had ended. Uh, I feel like Philadelphia was really pressing and Henry Kessler just, he was the, the force that really changed uh, the flow and just how everything was going for Philadelphia at the end of that game. And I, I kind of applaud him for it because I think it maybe it, it was something that was needed to happen. Maybe we'd be looking at a, a one-all draw. Probably not. Um, but possibly if, if if that hadn't happened because there was a, a, quite a shift with the, the Philadelphia players. And you could see it as well afterwards. There was a, a corner kick from Philly where uh, right beforehand, one of the players was uh, kind of bumping Kessler a little bit, pretty softly. But Kessler, you know, he, he played it out pretty well, a pretty dramatic fall inside the box. And, and you know, he took, took himself a minute again, wasting more time and, and just being a smart defender and just draining that clock. Uh, I think having a guy like that on your team, just willing to, to fight to get uh, the three points by all means necessary is not a bad thing, but uh, just needs to make sure he's he's being careful of those yellow cards. And, and got to be careful, too, about uh, not getting injured by a, a team, pissing off a team too much because they were chasing him down the tunnel at the end of the game, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, I mean, come on. It was it was a, you know, if you want to call it a dirty play, sure. But uh, was it, at some point, get over yourself. And what are you doing chasing a guy down a tunnel after the game? Um, my question for you, though, is do you think he does that if we hadn't seen – uh, the play on you know, Wagner on Carly's heel a bit earlier that I think really kind of flared tensions up when you know guys were going at each other after that play. Um, there was you know some pushing and shoving from from Revs and Philly players, and then you know this play came not too long after that. Do you think he does this if if that hadn't happened, or was uh, I, I kind of thought that escalated tensions first before before Kessler even got to that moment? Yeah, you know that that moment was definitely a catalyst. Uh, I, I forget what player it was. Was it uh, Jacob Glesness? Maybe that. Uh, was a bit too rough with Carlos Hill. Um, it, it, rightfully so, you know. Carlos was uh, was was chirping as well, standing up for himself, and then uh, just seeing Henry Kessler come in and get fired up. It it really seemed to to be the moment that you saw Henry Kessler's like rage or fire, whatever you want to call it, like really just come ablaze uh, in the match. So yeah, I think 100. Um, percent It was just a, a dumb play by the Philly player. I'm going to say Glesnitz. I could be wrong, so I apologize if I am. But it was just, it was not a smart move in that situation. I don't know why you're going to foul a player like that, especially a player that is uh, as special to the club as Carles Hill is. Uh, and he just coming back now from injury, his first 10 minutes on the pitch, and you're going to kind of come at him, w- was not a smart move. And I think that um, that really lit lit a fire under Kessler, yeah. And on that note, that was kind of my worry with the the substitution of Carles Hill coming into this situation. And I think it helped the Revs because I think he helped you know kill some time with his his skills. But that that was the concern of me when I saw that sub coming in is that you know you're you're up one nothing, you're down a man. This is going to be a very difficult situation. And you know the 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 later this game goes, Philly's going to get more desperate. I was concerned that you know he could take a hard tackle and get hurt going into that situation. So I think uh, I was happy to see that he didn't get hurt from that play and he was fine. But I think that was my question when I saw you know him coming into a, a very difficult situation as his first game back from you know three plus weeks away with an injury. 
Yeah, well, that leads great into the next question here, too, over on Twitter. Uh, Paulo S. wants to know, did Bruce Arena use the subs available correctly in this game? Uh, obviously, we the game was a unique one as far as the substitutions having to be made because of the red card. Um, it definitely was not in the game plan to get a red card, so I'm sure there was no um, decisions made ahead of time to put Carly's heel in so early. Uh, or maybe there was. I don't know. Uh, what do you think, Sean? Well, it's it's good timing because we did just get the quotes from the post-game interview in, and I want to read the quote about Tristan here because it kind of relates to making subs um, as well as what we are talking about earlier. So Arena was asked um, about Tristan getting sent out for the second time and whether you know he questioned his decision-making. And Arena's quote was, yes, it was a poor decision, decision on his part. He's got to learn from this. He's an experienced player. He shouldn't be getting caught like that. We had a concern, and we discussed taking him out of the game once he got the yellow card, but we felt he would be smart and be able to play the game, and obviously he did not. So in, in hindsight, when you talk about the subs, they should have they should have subbed him out after you got that yellow card. Uh, easy to say now. Um, but also, you know, looking at what happened two games ago, maybe, you know, maybe he should have done that um, generally. So um, if you're if you're you know looking at it in hindsight, yeah, I mean, that was a mistake. Absolutely. Um, but then when you look at what happened, um, I think it's hard to question his other subs after, you know, after the red card. I think it's hard to question his sub is because. It, to me, bringing Caldwell on for Kizza is a no-brainer. Um, you need to solidify that midfield, and you don't need two strikers when you're you know, holding on to a one nothing lead down a man. That was a no-brainer to me. Um, and then bringing on Carle's heel, you know, as much as I was concerned with the the fact that he was going into a very difficult situation, was going to have to work really hard defensively, um, you know, he looked pretty fit. He looked like he was healthy playing in the game. It didn't look like he was, you know, he said he was 50 to 60% after the game, um, but he didn't look it. He looked like at least for, you know, those 25 minutes that he was in, in good shape. Um, so I, I question that for the injury, but I do think that him being out there helped them maintain possession a little bit and, you know, break up the flow of, you know, when, on counterattacks and kind of break things up and help them hold on to that lead. So I, I have trouble, you know, with the exception of saying in hindsight, yeah, they should have made that sub. Well, actually, I'm going to I'm going to change my take on one piece and that's I think Captoom should have been subbed at halftime because I thought he was terrible. <laughs> so I, I will I will go back and say that. But other than that, I think. Bruce Arena mostly got the substitutions right. Um, I, I just would have taken Captoom out for you know either Masial or Caldwell at halftime because I thought he was he was terrible. But <laughs> yeah, well, uh, talking about the Tristison move that was not made when Bruce Arena says that he was talking about taking him out and decided not to, even if he had decided to take Tristison out, I'm not sure they had the time to really True. get a player warmed up and in two yellow cards four minutes apart. I don't think any substitutions would have made a difference there. Um, I did like the Scott Caldwell move at uh, 63 minutes. Uh, of course, that was in response to going down a man. Uh, but, you know, as soon as you bring on that human victory cigar, it's going to be real struggles for your hot position. Uh, and Scott <laughs> Caldwell seems to do it again. So uh, keep bringing him on, and uh, Revs seem to keep winning. Uh, to much of your point, I was very concerned when Carly's heel came on. I was... Uh, very excited, kind of giddy. I felt like a schoolgirl a little bit watching TV and just getting so excited and so happy to see 22 back out on the field. Uh, it's He's obviously the most electrifying player on the team, the most fun player to watch. Um, and getting to see him come back and know that he's fit enough to get out there at a uh, 66-minute uh, was a really exciting moment. But a big, big part of me was very, very concerned, saying what might happen. Is this the right moment to bring in a player uh, like Carly's heel. They don't need an attacking presence right now. He's good on the ball. He's good at getting the ball out of 
uh, your your third, I guess you can say. But I, I wasn't sure that was the right move. Uh, Bruce proved me wrong there. Um, and the only other stuff that was made was AJ Del Garza for Tommy McNamara and the 90 plus five minutes. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't really fault him for anything. Revs still won one nil. Uh, he made the subs he had to do, had to make. Um, and I think that uh, they were, they were the correctly used subs. Again, I'm struggling with words tonight. Uh, I apologize. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't have any issues with, with his choice of subs. Um, moving on, David Sibylla over on Twitter. Uh, with everything considered, was this the Rev's best win of the season? He has a couple other questions, but I'm going to start with this one, Sean, and throw it over to you. I don't know. It's tough to say, and part of that's because of how weak Philadelphia's lineup was. If, if Philadelphia wasn't playing you know, a bunch of teenagers out there and guys that were pretty inexperienced, um, the way this game played out and the, the, you know, who the Revolution were missing, I think you could make that case. But it's, it's, it's a little bit tough for me to say that just because it was an extremely weak Philadelphia side that was out there. And, um, you know, again, don't want to take away too much from the revolution, but that just makes it hard for me to say this was the best one of the season. Uh, like, like we said before, there shouldn't have been a game this weekend. It's insane to play a game when, you know, a team is missing seven guys due to international call-ups. Um, so a lot of credit to the revolution for what they did in this game and the heart they showed and fighting back and turning things around after a bad game last week. But I, I don't know. It's just, it's tough for me to say, you know, even given everything the revolution accomplished that getting that result against a team that was, you know, playing a bunch of, you know, a couple of 17 year olds, 18 year olds. It's, I don't know. It's, it's just tough for me to say that. And there were, you know, the rest of had other good results. They, you know, got a result against a win against DC United in a similar situation where Tristan got himself thrown out, even scored another goal after they were shorthanded. Um, there's been a lot of great wins for the revolution this year. I'd have to think about it more, which was actually the best win, but just given who Philadelphia was missing, I struggled to, to you know say this was the best one of the season. Yeah, I agree with you. It was, it was another gutsy performance by the revolution. They seem to have a lot of those so far. Uh, it was another one goal margin victory. I've lost count now how many, uh, how many one goal victories they have. Uh, but it's just added on to the tie. I think it's something like 12 games now that they've won by one goal. Uh, but if you want to talk like maybe the best win of the season, I would go back to July 31st uh, in New York uh, against the Red Bulls, uh, go down a goal, come back, go down a goal, come back, and then eventually win it 3-2. Um, I think that's that was my, my best game of the season uh, for the Revs, or the best win of the season. Uh, but tonight was it was definitely a good one given the circumstances. Uh, David's other question was uh, there were some people on Twitter who saw the lineup and expected a loss tonight. Um, Sean, I know I know you had some thoughts about the lineup. Uh, what do you think about um, the initial thoughts of the lineup compared to how they performed? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought they performed better, I guess, than I expected, but. I saw the lineup and, and didn't think it was a strong lineup because it, it wasn't. Um, but, you know, my question, again, is, you know, you also have to look at Philadelphia's lineup, yep. um, which was very weak as well. So I don't I don't think I saw that lineup and expected a loss. Um, I expected a, a difficult game at generating chances for sure. And I and I do think there was some difficulty at generating chances in the run of play. Um, you know, again, I, again, I think they might have generated some better ones on the counterattack when they were down a man and Carly's heel was out there um, than they did in the first half where they. You know, other than the set piece goal they scored, I don't think they really had too much in the way of chances. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, I, I, I get people that saw the lineup and expected a loss, um, but I'm not sure those people were paying too much attention to what Philadelphia's lineup is when they, when they made that observation. Yeah, of course. And uh, I don't have a lot to add to that one. I'm going to move on to David's last point. Uh, just quick observation. Kizza showed some fine holdup play. Uh, do we have any thoughts? Uh, I'll take this one and I'll say that uh, I thought he did have some good holdup play. I like to see uh, him show composure uh, on the ball as well as looking to see where the outlet passes maybe should go. Uh, again, we kind of touched on this a little bit uh, earlier in the show, but uh, I would have liked to see him be a bit more attack minded, uh, you know, maybe getting more towards goal and and being more of a threat than uh, 0.09 expected goals um, on the night. But overall, yeah, I thought Kiza had had a fine night. Uh, did you have anything you wanted to add, Sean? No, I just as you as you were talking, I noticed one kind of weird stat that I I guess I didn't fully realize during the game. And that's that uh, Kiza had committed four fouls, which is two times as many as anyone else in the entire game, uh, which is kind of yeah. interesting for a striker. Um, and I guess that happens when you're fighting for the ball and hold up plays. Well, that still strikes me as kind of a, a high, a high number of, you know, when you're talking about trying to win the ball cleanly and hold the play up. Um, that, that kind of catches me off guard that he committed four, four fouls. Well, you um, know, Adam Buxa got four fouls before scoring a goal for Poland against Albania yesterday. So that's true. Uh, maybe it's part of, part of the hold up play. So <laughs> no, I mean, his hold up, his hold up play was, was uh, decent, but he won two aerial duels and committed four fouls. Um, so I, I don't know. It was, I, I thought it was a, a mixed bag for him. I thought it was one of those games where he showed he can play at this level, but mm-hmm. didn't necessarily do enough to earn more minutes going forward, except, you know, in situations like this where they, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't, he didn't, he didn't come out to be as, he didn't show me that he was a guy that, you know, when you need a goal late in a game and everyone's available for the revolution, you'd sub him in. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't think he's that. I think he, um, has some potential, um, and, you know, didn't look out of place in this game, but he also didn't do too much to, you know, overly impress me. Yep. No, I'll say I think this was his best performance uh, in a yes. Revolution uniform, uh, Revolution 2 aside, uh, but it was still uh, far from what we would want uh, from Edward Kizza, especially given how much uh, how much praise he received from Bruce Arena uh, at the Super Draft. You know, and given that he takes up an international roster spot. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a huge one, yeah. Um, so Patrick Martin second question from Patrick here says that will everyone be back for New York City FC maybe see a full half out of heel Um, Sean I'm going to let you take this one I think that you are better equipped to answer this question yeah I mean I think I think we probably will see at least 45 minutes out of heel he said you know after another week or two um, he should be 100% so I think that that to me means he can probably go 45 minutes this weekend or next weekend rather. Um, I, I'm going to take Bruce Renata's word and assume Gustavo Bo is back. Uh, usually when he's kind of <laughs> said something about an injury that wasn't true, he hasn't been as specific as he'll be back next week. Um, so I, I think, you know, I, I think that, you know, those guys will be there um, on, you know, on top of that, uh, will Tejan Buchanan, be playing 90 minutes when he comes back, you know, on very short rest. Maybe not. Will Bruce Arena throw Matt Turner right back in there if he's, you know, starting in Honduras three days before? Uh, maybe not. I think Matt Turner, after the Gold Cup, you know, made some comments about, you know, not being 100% in that first game back because he was thrown back in there right away. So, um, you know, will everyone be technically available? Yes. Will we see a first-choice revolution lineup? My, my guess is not quite. Yeah, and I think uh, the Tejan Buchanan piece, I think it's worth adding uh he plays his last uh international match assuming he's playing and healthy 
uh, would be September 8th, and that's in Toronto, uh, while Matt Turner and Adam Buxa are also, I think it's September 8th for both of them as well, uh, much farther away. I don't remember where they're playing exactly, but it is uh, definitely international. Adam Buxa, of course, playing over in Europe. Um, I think he, his last game is in Poland, and that you know it's a long international flight. I don't think we see Adam Buxa uh, against New York City. Uh, Matt Turner, again, it's going to be another international fight, a long one. No time difference necessarily to worry about with him, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Brad Knighton is in goal against New York City, unless Brad Knighton has a, has uh, something come up in practice, I guess, would be the only way that we see Matt Turner um, against New York City FC. That's my opinion anyway. Yeah, I mean, I I just remember, I forget exactly what Matt Turner said after that game, after the Gold Cup, but it, it, he clearly... Um, said something that implied that, you know, he wasn't 100% ready for that game coming off that Gold Cup high. So, I, I mean, I don't know if Bruce does the same thing twice. And, you know, that game in Honduras, they could be playing in a very hot, humid environment and then, you know, flying back here. And maybe Matt Turner doesn't play that game and then the, you know, the equation's a bit different. But if he, you know, goes 90 minutes in that game in a uh, difficult Honduran, Honduras environment and then comes back to, to, pl- to play here, I think it probably makes sense to give him a rest. I think that's a very valid point too. Yeah, if he it, it is dependent on whether or not he does play against Honduras. Um, moving on, Cleggy over on Discord uh, with the rumors that Buxa had offers this summer window and his goal for Poland. Do you think he gets sold over the winter? And if he does, how much is a good price? Uh, I don't know. I, I I don't know what to think about what's a good price for him. I don't know what to think about the rumors. Uh, it was nice to see him get a goal over in Poland. Um, the help help Poland beat Albania. I think he had the game winning goal actually, the second goal of the match. Um, and it's nice to see a, a revolution striker playing alongside arguably the greatest striker uh, in all of uh, you know world soccer football uh, as of right now. So uh, it's it's pretty amazing to see to see him out there and see him doing well. He looked pretty comfortable out there. Uh, I think you know Lewandowski was barking on him a little bit uh, here and there, but. Uh, all for good intentions, I have to assume. But as far as putting a price tag on it, I think the number was being thrown out between five and six million euros. Uh, I don't have the number in front of me as to what the Revolution paid for. According yeah. according to Frank Delap at the Globe, it was a four million transfer fee that the Revolution paid for him. I was about to throw it to you because I knew you were going to have that <laughs> sat handy because you always do. Um, and so if you sell it for five to six million euros, you're looking at about seven million US dollars, something like that as a $3 million return on investment over a couple of years. I think that's good business for the revolution. Uh, I do think that maybe Adam Buxa is a player that you might be able to sell for a bit more than that, though. Um, and depending on what his contract status is, uh, it, I don't want to let him go on a free transfer is basically what I'm thinking as well. That said, you don't trade, you don't sell him in the middle of the year if, um, if you yeah, absolutely need him. Like it, if you can't get a loan back uh, the way that the Tejan Buchanan situation went, I don't think that you, you sell Buxa um, it, during the summer window. I think it has to be in the winter. Well, and I think, I think most leagues summer winters have ended anyways at this point. So I don't even know if I, I don't know what league he'd be going to, but I think mo- for most cases it's too late to sell him in the summer transfer window. So it, w- it would be the winter window. And if it was, you know, if you sell him for the same amount you sold Tejan for and get a you know, a very similar deal with a 10% selling clause, I think that's, that's pretty fair. 
for Buxa. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a good, a good bit of profit for the revolution on what they paid for him. Um, so, you know, the numbers that are thrown out there, I don't know how realistic they are, but they, it seems reasonable ish. Um, and you know, I don't know. He's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. He's, um, you know, I think people just in this, in the spring, were ready for the revolution to sell him at a loss potentially. And now he's been playing so well he's earned himself a spot on the, the polish national team and his, his value might be continuing to go up even higher than seven million if the revolution keep him for another year so uh, again all dependent on what his, his contract status is i don't i don't know how much truth there is to this rumor and you know when you look at books versus buchanan there's the age differences that you know books is 25 he's a bit older um you know that makes him a slightly less valuable although he's still you know very young um, I don't know. I think I think if you get a similar deal to what you got for Tejan, you've you've done pretty well. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that logic. And I think the team that was in the rumor there was uh, AS Monaco as well. So the, the one question mark I have uh, is: Would a team like Monaco be be offering a sell-on clause, or would they be looking to to get the rights to Adam Buxa to maybe think long-term with him because Monaco is a is a, a one of the better teams in Europe. Um, but th- these are all impossible to answer questions. Um, a good conversation, though. I enjoyed the question. Cameron over on Discord, another question that we can't actually give a firm answer to, but let's have some good good discussion about it. When will Caicedo make his first appearance for the season after finally making the bench tonight? Sean, what are your thoughts? Do you wanna do you wanna put a a date on this? Uh, any anything in mind? I mean, I, I was shocked. He was on the bench today because what was it you know, Tuesday or Wednesday that he returned to practice after being out for months? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I Carlos Hill I think was kind of a different situation because he was out for three weeks and was you know training in in Spain and you know getting really fit. But I, I was absolutely a, a I was shocked when I saw Caicedo was you know back in training and they're making a big deal out of it and was taken off the injury report right away. And B I was shocked that he was part of the the game day roster today. I have to assume if he was on the bench that you know. Bruce Arena, there was a scenario in which Bruce Arena could have envisioned using him. So, you know, maybe we'll see him next week. Um, I'm I'm just kind of shocked at the progress that was being made because I, I didn't think we were going to be seeing him anytime soon. And then all of a sudden he popped up this week and then right away was was put on the bench. Um, and he also is somebody that's been out for, for such a long period of time that, it, it, you know, I, I'm not sure it would be a terrible idea to give him some minutes at Rebs too before he came back to the full team. But it, my guess based on what we've seen so far is that's not going to be the path they take. Yeah, it, it, it's worth noting, you know, Luis Casero was playing in the preseason. Um, he played in one preseason match. Uh, I think he had a pretty poor performance. Don't know exactly. We didn't actually get to see it. It was all blacked out. We just saw a couple of highlight clips. And the only highlight that I saw involving Luis Caicedo was an own goal that was scored by Luis Caicedo, which is not promising. But uh, we all know that's not the Luis Caicedo that uh, we're used to seeing out in the pitch. So hopefully, you know, he hasn't lost too much of it. Um, I'd like to see him get back out there. I think maybe him making the bench tonight is more of a case of uh, we don't have that many players that are available right now on the roster. And instead of digging into Revs 2 to fill up the bench, they're just going to throw Caicedo on there because he is fit. Or I shouldn't say fit. He is healthy and cleared to play. Um, and he could probably have given uh, a solid 10 minutes if he needed to as far as fitness goes. I'm assuming just because I think I could probably give five minutes and I'm not a professional <laughs> athlete. I, I, if you know if you're Caicedo though, and you're seeing the performances from Captoom, Tristison, and even Masial recently, you're feeling pretty good about your chances to get back yes. on the field when you're healthy. 
Yeah, you know, yeah, I think you're salivating at it right now. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for the questions. Uh, it was a lot, lot of uh, Kessler and Tristan talk. Uh, did you have any other uh, any other things that you wanted to discuss? Not not on the game, but I do think we should really quickly touch on the international performances of the the three Revolution players um, in you know Europe and World Cup qualifying. Um, Buxa, as we already mentioned, with a, his first goal, the game winner just before halftime, a nice header in which he got a nice bounce off the post. I think he was overdue for for a nice bounce off the post. Yeah. Um, so that was huge for him in his debut. Uh, great to see him starting against Lewandowski. Um, I'm curious if we'll get a chance. I think they play England next. Is that is that their next game? I um, believe so. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't know if they'll switch up and kind of play a more conservative formation without two strikers and he'll go to the bench or not, but I would I would love to see him play against England. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, Matt Turner with a, a shutout and what I thought was a weak performance from the U.S., starting with a, a draw against, you know, never easy to play on the road in CONCACAF, but El Salvador is not a very particularly good team. Um, so a little disappointed they didn't get three points there, but no, no fault of Matt Turner who got the shutout and, made one or two pretty good saves, didn't have too much work to do, but did well with the work he did have. Um, and then one negative was Buchanan, who gave up a penalty kick, um, got hurt, and you know, was and was subbed out at halftime. That was not a good day for, for Tejan Buchanan. Canada went on to, to get a draw um, and that one, was, I think, it was against Honduras, right at home. Um, so yes. not the end, not the end of the world, but I mean, that's a game that if you're Canada, you got to win at home. So uh, a rough start for Buchanan in Canada, um, but you know, great night for Buxa, good night for Turner, even though it wasn't the best night for the U.S. Um, just exciting to see Revolution players playing in such you know big, meaningful international competition. Absolutely, and then I wanted to mention too. The next uh, Poland game is actually going to be tomorrow. Uh, I think it's 2.45 uh, Eastern time, and they're going to be playing against San Marino, in San Marino. Uh, I am going to be completely ignorant here. I don't even know where San Marino is. Um, I didn't know that it was a country, um, but that's who they're playing. Uh, I believe they are going to close out this uh, three-game stretch against England in, uh, yeah, uh, yep, in the last game. So this yeah. the third game will be against England. That's going to be the biggest test for Poland. The San Marino game, that could be uh, a fun game to watch, presumably, because uh, I am not familiar at all with San Marino. I can't imagine that they're going to put up uh, uh, that big of a fight. Maybe we do see Buxa get another start and uh, get another goal or maybe a brace um, for, for his homeland of Poland. And yeah, then the I next mean... game for both... Um, Sorry, I was real quick wanted to mention the next game for USA and Canada is going to be against each other. And that game is, uh, was that tomorrow? Or was that I think that's in two days. Um, I'll double check that while you say your. No, I, I was just going to say San Marino is ranked 209 in the uh, the FIFA ranking. So if you're if you're Adam Buxa you're, and you're you know, getting a chance to play in that game, I think you're liking your chances of, of getting your second career international goal yeah. uh, in that one. So hopefully he gets a chance to play in that one. I, I, I mean, that is, I, I don't know. I, I do think when they play England, they might go with a more conservative approach that sees them play with one striker instead of two. But uh, against San Marino, I, w- I would think that they would you know probably do something similar to what they did against Albania. Right. And it's worth no- noting, too, that Poland is uh, dealing with a lot of injuries, which... I think might have paved the way for Adam Buxa to really get his first start and really get his foot in the door with the national team. This is his first 
cap for uh, for the senior national team as well. Uh, so it's great to see him getting that. Um, I just checked the USA Canada game is September 5th. So that's going to be on Sunday uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And then the Poland game, I guess by the time this podcast is out, uh, that game is going to be happening today because it's happening. Um, nope, I, I'm wrong about that one too. That one, I think uh, I'm looking at this in the wrong time zone. Too so much the Poland-San Marino game is also September 5th on Sunday. We're, we're, um, not, we're not used to having all these Revs players playing international games. It's too complicated. <laughs> it absolutely is, and I'm just totally butchering it, so I apologize. San Marino-Poland 245 on Sunday, USA-Canada 8 p.m., on Sunday, um, they're going to be fun games to watch, regardless. Uh, and yeah, do you have any uh, any final thoughts before we uh, we end this? No, I mean it, it was nice to finally have a week without a, a midweek revs game. <laughs> it's, yes. I think the revolution will benefit from having another week without that, minus all the the players that are having international games. Uh, you know, another week for Carlos Heel to get closer to healthy. Another week for Brandon By and Matt Polster, who just came off injuries, to you know continue to build their fitness, and then hopefully, hopefully another week for whatever is wrong with Gustavo Bo to be fixed. <laughs> Yeah, and no, the last thing I have is that just looking at the the standings here is uh, watching the revolution climb the tables. So not even climb, but just you know continue to to escalate up the up the standings here. They're now ten points clear of uh, second place in the supporter shield. Worth noting, of course, that there is a couple of games in hand for both Seattle and Kansas City, who are in second and third respectively, and Colorado, who is uh, on thirty eight points, uh, so fourteen points below the revolution, have. A whopping four games in hand um and they are going to play colorado is going to be playing against the revolution later this year i believe it's the second to last game of the season uh but it's just fascinating to watch the team team keep going uh 2.17 points per game right now uh which is good just for the record <laughs> what is it good enough for the record it is yeah i think there was 2.12 or 2.13 was the record pace so yeah, it's uh, it's really astounding just to see see the numbers that the Revolution are putting up right now. Forty five goals scored, uh, best in MLS. So it's uh, it's really fantastic. Um, and yeah, I guess that's really it for the pod. Uh, Sean, where can our listeners find you? You can find me on Twitter at Sean L Donahue, and you can find me uh, on Twitter at Chris Lucas or at Rose Revolt if you want to just talk soccer. I don't really post that much on that account anymore, but. I will again soon, I promise. Um, and then don't forget to follow the podcast as well. It's uh, at Revolution Recap on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, and then, of course, please rate and review the podcast, five stars, uh, and go Revs. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.